Hello everyone, welcome back to the encyclopedia of fairies, fae, fair stories. We're now on H. The first H is hags. So, they're found largely in English law. Hags represent one type of dangerous water fairy known to haunt rivers and drown the unwary. Although hags can be considered a general grouping, they most often appear in folklore under specific names. Notably, Jenny Greenteeth. We did do a story about that previously. Peg Pamela and Black Anise. Hags appear in the form of an old woman, thin and frightening looking, with long fingers and sharp nails. They are known to lurk in or near rivers and reach out and grab unwary passers-by. Especially children. And drag, yes, drag them into the water to drown them. Hags are one type of fairy that is not averse to or warded off by iron. An iron will do nothing to protect a person from these beings. At least one hag, Black Anise, is described to actually have iron claws. <laughs> so you see, people get it all wrong when they say that hags are old witches. They are not. They are fairies very much like to drag people to the water to drown them. Though there is a different kind of hag also, which is known as the paranormal type associated with um, sleep paralysis. It's different though. It's not the same. Hag stones, also called hold stones, holy stones or witch stones. Hagstone is a common name for stones with naturally occurring holes that transect the entire stone. The hole in the stone must be natural and cannot be man-made to be effective as a charm. The name Hagstone is derived from their use in preventing malicious nighttime assaults by fairies and witches, and sometimes referred to as being Hag-ridden. dates back to at least the 18th century. Hagstones are strung on twine or thread and hung over beds or in stables to prevent magical attacks and keep the fairies from riding a person's animal. Obviously on the bed it keeps them from riding the actual person, which means like riding them to death. They may also be carried by the person for the same effect. Hairs, a form sometimes assumed by fairies, particularly to steal milk from cows in the field. Hobbs, English folklore. A hob is a kind of smaller, hairy fairy that can be associated with either farms or wilderness, which is normally helpful but can be dangerous if angered. Some hobs are described wearing ragged clothes, while others are said to be naked. The name itself, despite modern folk etymologies, has no connection to the word hearth. Instead, being a historic nickname for Robin or Robert, that was used as a slang for a foolish country dweller. This term came in later centuries to be attributed to supernatural beings, including hobs, hobgoblins and hobby thrusts. Hobbs were known to live in human habitations, unlike some of the fairies, can be viewed as more of a general category than a specific. Brownies are often considered a type of hob, or a type of hobgoblin, for example. The domestic ones were believed to be lucky to a household, but the ones who lived in more wild areas could be more ambiguous. One hob who lived in a cave, or a hobhole, in Runswick Bay, had a reputation for curing whooping cough, and parents would bring their children to the cave and recite a short chant to the hob asking for a cure. Another malicious hob near Herworth 
named Hob Headless, playing the roadway until it was finally bound beneath a stone near the road for 99 years. And that comes from an encounter in the 1970s. A hob could become a nuisance if anyone, and it was possible to anger them enough to make them dangerous. Yeah, that's true. Banishing a troublesome hob is a difficult proposition, and the hob that was successfully bound into the stone is very unusual because normally it cannot be bound, and it's very hard to get rid of them once they are there. They're generally there for life. Hobgoblins. They're a type of fairy-like goblins. They're more of a subcategory than a true group themselves. The name hobgoblin is a composite, composite of two words, hob and goblin. Goblin, obviously previously discussed, you know what that is. Hob comes from the old English hobby, which was a nickname for Robin or Robert, and was used as a cinnamon for elf, with a connotation of troublemaking. The use of the name hob goes back to the 13th century, and appear a century later sometimes by itself as a name of supernatural beings. Hobgoblin is found dating back to at least the 16th century. The name is strongly tied to the character of Robin Goodfellow. Hence the Hobgoblin was a fairy who was less malicious than mischievous in nature. Hobgoblins generally occupy a rather grey area being neither trooping fairies nor entirely solitary fairies either. But they can move between the two categories. In the same way, they are also difficult to clearly define as seely or unseely, because they are neither clearly benevolent nor overtly malicious. Their pranks may be generally harmless. They can even be inclined to helpful behaviour. Yet, they may also sometimes be dangerous as well. In older folklore, they are viewed more positively with Shakespeare's Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream, being referred to by a fellow fairy as a hobgoblin, with a statement like this. Those that hobgoblin call you and sweet puck, you do their work and they will give you good luck. This would seem to imply that calling him hobgoblin in a way to earn his amity. Yet later sources, especially in Puritan America, would align hobgoblins with devils and demons. The truth of their nature may lie somewhere in the middle with the hobgoblin being less malicious than a goblin, but more difficult to deal with than some other more clearly benevolent fairies. Some fairies that fall into the category of hobgoblins include Puck, Robin Goodfellow, Puckers Brownies, Hobbythrus Slobs, Pixies, Gruacks, Fenadries, Boggarts and Will-o'-the-Wisps. Many of these are overtly trickster fairies, known for their ambivalent natures. And mercurial attacks and antics which may tell us about the sort of nature you can expect from a hobgoblin. House fairies, a class of fairy rather than specific individual being. House fairies would be any type of fairy that prefers to live in or closely around human homes. House fairies under various names can be found across not only Celtic language speaking cultures but in every culture that has beings that are sort of like fairies. These encounters, descriptions and offerings given are widely the same across cultures, even those with only tenuous connections to each other, indicating that it is a human home, not the spirits dwelling in it, which is a significant factor. Like fairies more generally, it is difficult to define exactly what a house fairy is, with a wide array of 
beings including former deities, spirits of the place, those are fairies, yes. Human ancestors, otherworldly beings, they all come under the role of house fairies. Significant dates to offer to these beings often fall at the same times as holidays, honouring the gods of the dead, reinforcing the crossover between the groups. Anecdotes about house fairies are more common in rural settings, but can also be found in suburban and urban areas. They are petitioned with food offerings and often with milk given on a regular basis, are known to become angry or leave the home if the quality of their work is insulted, or they are offered something they find offensive. Often this includes clothing. When they are pleased or in harmony with the home, they live in and they act in the house's best interests and they aid the family. They clean up around the building, they care for livestock, as well as helping to bring in the harvest. When angered, they become destructive and work against the same things they previously nurtured, damaging the home and destroying crops. <laughs> and that's true. And same as the brownies. The brownies can go from being very sweet, unless you offend them, and then they will be very angered. So, you know, they're very much similar. But remember... Fairy, fairies, is not one being. It's a name for all the other worldly beings that are out there. Any, even spirits. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fae and many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and the Encyclopedia of Fairies. So we're still on H and we're now on the Huldufolk, meaning hidden folk, an Icelandic term that can indicate a specific type of being, may be used as an equivalent for the Alfa, may also be used as a general term for all fairy-like beings. Huldufolk are believed to live in a world similar to the Celtic otherworld, which adjoins ours and which can be travelled to from ours. They often live in stones or boulders, which... Folklore says it's very bad luck to disturb them. Huldra, a kind of Scandinavian fairy that looks like a very beautiful woman, but always has some hidden deformity in stories, sometimes a tail or a hollow back. The Huldakal is a male Huldra, quite ugly with a very long nose. <laughs> so... Um, that's the H's, we're now on the um, eyes, so I'm not going to go into the eyes here, I will obviously do another episode for that, just because it seems silly obviously to not keep them separate, I like to keep them separate, it's better that way. So yeah, and I did do a story about the Holdra as well, how um, a young man went to a bar and he met a beautiful woman. And she took him into the woods, where he thought he was going to get something, you know. <laughs> anyway, she killed him. Point being, that's what a holdra does, a female holdra anyway. Though there are very little stories of the male holdra, they are out there, there is male and female, so. But I've not actually come across a male story where they have mutilated a woman. I do come across many holdra stories where the women mutilate the men. So that's rather interesting, but then again... Hey, women are like that, aren't they? <laughs> Thank you for listening to this last episode of the H's in Fairy. Please hit the like, share if you can, and do consider subscribing.
many blessings.